Hey, this is Stan Gibbons, the lead pastor of Northside Bible Church. I want to thank you for joining our podcast today. We hope this strengthens and inspires you. We want to encourage you in your relationship with Christ. If there's anything we can do, please reach out to us at northsidemobile.org or you can message us on Facebook and Twitter. Enjoy the sermon. So we've been talking about our Christmas families. We looked at some weird uncles, and I found out last night I was one of the weird uncles. So thanks very much, Rachel, for telling me that. So <laughs> um, we looked at weird uncles. Right? We looked at some unique aunts in our past, um, Isaiah and Tamar and all those people that we studied that are part of the family of God. We're all part of the family of God. Amen? Um, so today I thought we would see Christmas through the eyes of God, um, how He sees this day and these events um, that we are celebrating today, and now that I'm older, um, actually older today, actually, um, I see Christmas through several stages of my life. When I was a little kid, um, childhood, you, you look forward to being out of school. Y'all remember that? It's like, hey, you know, Christmas is coming, but here's the big deal. <laughs> we ain't got to go to school for a couple of weeks. That's awesome. So I was a big, <laughs> school and me didn't get along real good a lot of times. So um, so I really look forward to being out for school holidays, for uh, play, time to play with my brothers in the yard and uh, or have my brother chase me with things that he was throwing at me. And then, uh, you can ask him about that later. <clears throat> and then, uh, but we, we would, my dad would take us to see the lights at Cena Vista. Is that what it's called? Cena Vista. We'd always drive to see the lights so Santa could visit, um, us and all that kind of stuff. Um, didn't know what that was all about when I was a kid. Um, but we'd get, get together with family. My parents, we would go over and see, uh, uh, Aunt Lucille and Uncle Jack and all those people, and sometimes we go to Aunt Bessie's house. She was the, uh, she was one of my favorite aunts because she made the, she was the chocolate maker. Um, she made all this homemade chocolate stuff, gave it away to us. Man, I love being in her house. And um, but we always had a good time with our family. That was my childhood. When I became a teenager and I got a job, my first real job, J. H. Wright and Associates here in town. Um, the boss was very, very generous. He was a, uh, I've told you a story before, but he was a, an atheist Jew. <laughs> Um, but man, he was so generous. And I was just a little part-time guy that swept the shop in the afternoons. When I get out of school, I'd come up and clean up the shop behind all the guys and, and lock up and put a, put a bunch of tools back. And, uh, I'd only been working there for a couple of months and everybody in this little office got their big bonus check for Christmas. Well, I didn't think I'd, you know, I'm just making minimum wage. And back in the seventies, that was, you know, dollar and 10 cents or whatever it was. Um, but at, he put this $300 check in my, in my envelope. I was like, this got to be a mistake. I literally went to the clerk and said, um, I don't think y'all meant to give that. He's like, no, the boss always wants everybody to get a big Christmas bonus. I didn't know what that was. That was the coolest thing ever. So I'd already put a bunch of my little bit of money I'd save away for gifts for family and stuff like that. Bought you know, everybody in the family a little bit of something as a teenager. Had a job. But man, I remember having $300 just burning this hole in my pocket. I'm like, what am I going to do with this for Christmas? And our dad needed a new recliner. So I went to mom and said, mom, can we put this, can we, would this buy a recliner? I don't know. You know, I'm 15. I don't know how furniture works. So she's like, yeah, it'd be great. So she, she worked it all out with my older brother. And next thing you know, Christmas Day, this recliner shows up for dad. And I think I'm the greatest son ever at that point. I'm like, look at what I did. This is awesome. Right? So, but through the eyes of a teenager earning some money, I could see Christmas different. Then I was a young married guy when I got out of college and, and uh, married my wife, Annette. We, we were actually married, standing right here on orange carpet. And um, thank God that's changed. Uh, not the marriage, just the carpet. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> so, 
probably a bad day to mess that up. So, um, but I remember tra- we would travel with her. Her family's in eastern North Carolina, which is forever from here. So we would load up in the car from Birmingham and travel to see them. And or we would come down here and see my mom and uh, dad, and um, we we would hang out with family. You know, you'd have the dinners. Really great dinner up there, really great dinner here, swap gifts around, that kind of deal. Um, but then I became a father, and uh, we had Joshua, my favorite firstborn son, and, uh, and I became a father. And Christmas got real different when I became a father, real different, real different. How many of you just know what I'm talking about as dads, right? It's a different deal. It ain't about you no more. It's about what can I do to light up the eyes of that little boy, Right? And, of course, when they're little bitty, this, you know, it's like, you know, the paper's more exciting than anything. We were over at my grandson's house yesterday. I wish I had the pictures. Um, we were over at my grandson's house yesterday. Um, we celebrated with them yesterday. And he had put a note, he'd sent a note to my wife that, you know, we're thinking about getting some Hot Wheels tracks <clears throat> for Everett, my three-year-old, my genius three-year-old and uh, grandson. And uh, Annette asked me one night, think about this question, hey, do you think you could handle that? Oh, yeah. Can do. No problem. So me and Amazon have this relationship that worked out great. And, uh, you know, $85 later, I've got this awesome set of tracks for him. Some of it I kept at my house because he's got to come to my house to see the rest of it because I'm smart that way. Uh, but it's got like this, it's got this curve that goes up and then comes down and then it loops. And there's this thing you pull back and shoot the car through it. He played with that thing all day yesterday. It was awesome. We've got video and slow motion and everything. It was awesome, right? And then what was really cool is when he went to play with other toys, my middle son, Caleb, kept playing with that one. I was like, yes, yes. I knew I had him hooked because he's like, hey, if we extend this track here, because I bought extra track, of course, and if we extend this track here, it'll change the momentum of it. And so it actually, these, these other cars will actually work in it because they won't be going too fast. I'm like, yeah, that'd be cool. And then if we turn this back around here, he and I are sitting here playing while you know, my little grandson's over there reading books with Annette or something silly like that, you know? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but man, I, you talk about through the eyes of a father, grandfather, man, Christmas is a whole different deal when you watch him light up, right? When I see him excited, well, here's the eyes of our Father. Let's talk about this tonight or this morning. So um, God gave His Son. I want you to t- tell you just several things about how God and Christmas work. Um, this is God, our, our Heavenly Father. Think of that. I know for some of you, your earthly father did not add up in a lot of categories. That's okay. You've got a Heavenly Father that outranks all that, okay? And He's the one you depend on. He's the one you trust in. He's the one you, you look to for all this. So watch this. First of all, God... Our Father in heaven gave us His Son. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest upon His shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. You should study those names, by the way. There will be no end to the increase of His government or peace. No end to the increase of His government or peace. To establish it and hold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore, the zeal of the house of the host will accomplish this. So the text says this, a child is given to us. A child is given to us. You got it? And then he says, okay, we've, we actually, there's all these beautiful names. And then he says, but there's no end to the increase of his peace. No end. So how many of you recognize that the peace of Christ is actually in you now? You got, you got a different kind of feeling, don't you? A sense of a settled peace. His peace is, it's a peace that passes understanding. You can't even explain it. 
But the Bible actually says he, God's going to send us someone who's going to put peace in us, even in troubled times, and then one day he's going to eliminate all the trouble, and the peace is just going to be peace at that point, right, forever. And he will rule and reign with peace. But that peace is true right now, isn't it? He sent us a son. God sent us his son who is literally will give an increase of his peace. There's no end to how much his peace is going to increase in our lives. And then God named his son. Let me tell you the three names. Um, when he sent uh, Jesus to Mary, he didn't say, hey, y'all pick out a name. Y'all notice that? He didn't say, y'all just name him whatever you like. It was important for God that his son have the right set of names. And so his first name, we call him Jesus, which is the word that means Savior. It comes from the name Joshua, uh, which is Jehovah, our salvation. So we get Savior, salvation, all in that. Jesus, our Savior, Joshua. And in Jesus' day, there were lots of boys named Joshua. Um, there were a whole bunch of Yeshua's. Um, and in the Greek, it's Jesus. So Yeshua and uh, Joshua and Jesus are the same name. It's Greek and and uh, the original language is there. So, so it's an interesting thing. But there are a whole bunch of kids running around town with Jesus' name. Like when a, when a mom would stand in the market and call her name, jo- call Joshua, you know, 15 kids would look up, see whose mom it was. Um, but they didn't have the other, uh, that was his human name, but they didn't have this title that Jesus got because Jesus is Jesus the Christ. Okay? And nobody else gets that title ever. <laughs> Because Christ means the anointed one. It's the word for Messiah. It's the actual word for Messiah. His title is that he is Jesus the Christ. Now, all the other kids in the neighborhood might be, there might be a whole bunch of Jesuses running around. Right, Josh and I were at a, a lunch the other day and there was all that soccer stuff happening. I'm not a soccer guy, so I'm sure it was important to soccer people, but all that soccer stuff was happening on the screens in the, in the place we were eating. And uh, I just looked up on the screen and it said, Jesus scored a goal. And I was like, Josh. Jesus, Jesus scored a goal. Pretty crazy. You know, I didn't even know Jesus played soccer this time of year, but he did. So, so it's a common name, but then there's the Jesus the Christ, which is his specific title. And then God said, and you're going to call him Emmanuel, which means, say it out loud, God with us. And that's actually his job. That's what he does for work is he comes down to work with us. His job title is Emmanuel. It's what he's doing and has done to come in and invade our lives and live among us. And that's why the next thing is so true. God didn't just name his son. He didn't just, uh, he sent his son, right? He didn't just name his son, but he sent his son to us. He gave him to us, but then he sent him. And I want to tell you how this works. When you study the theology of this, and by the way, in our upcoming year, we're going to have some classes to help uh, ground you in your faith and understanding of who Christ really is. We're going to do some special classes. We'll tell you a lot more about that as time goes on. But he sent his son. It means Jesus and God, God the Father and God the Son, had to have an agreement in heaven, in eternity, in, in, in some glorious divine conversation where they agreed together that the only way to help the sinners on planet earth, our creation, that we love very much. And the only way to help them is for you to go dwell among them for a little while. And then they're going to reject you and crucify you and beat you and kill you. And you're going to die on a cross to pay for their sins. That's how this is going to work. So we, we sang it this morning, John three sixteen. 
Uh, God sent his son because he saw our needs and because he loved us so much. Everybody look at me. He sent Jesus to us because he loves you. It's not just a thing we do to celebrate holidays. He sent Jesus because he loved you. It's a very personal thing. The real God in heaven who can make universes with words talked to his son Jesus who can make universes with words and said, here's how we're going to have to help him. You got to go down to earth. You got to pay for this. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 17, for God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Right? He didn't send him to judge us. Everybody gets the wrong idea about Jesus sometimes. He did not come to judge you. He is coming back to judge you one day. Right? But before that happens, he's going to give you an opportunity to walk in faith and trust with him, to have uh, joy, hope, and peace established in your life, to have your sins cleansed from your life. He's going to set you free from all that. God didn't send the Son into the world to judge the world. The world through him might believe. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe in him is judged already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And then when God sent his Son to us, he approved of him three times. I love this. There's three different times where God approves of His Son in the Scriptures. First one's at His baptism. Remember, John the Baptist is there, and Jesus walks down into the water, and John kind of freaks out. And Jesus goes, hey, you need to baptize me? And John goes, are you kidding me? I'm not even worthy to untie your shoelaces. I know who you are, right? They're cousins, by the way. I know who you are. You're the real thing, right? You're Jesus Christ, the Holy One, the Son of God. He knows all the titles and everything. John is clearly aware of who his cousin is. And it's the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and he's got to be baptized. God's going to use that baptism to launch his ministry, quiet ministry, by the way, not a big fancy one. But he's going to use that, and John the Baptist is the guy. He gets picked. Love how God just picks guys randomly sometimes, but he picks people with special gifts and values and purposes. And so here's John the Baptist, Matthew 3, verse 16. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove on him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, what did the voice say? This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. God's going, good job, Jesus. We're getting ready to start it out. This is the plan I've had. God's had this plan. We sang about it in three different songs. God's had this plan all along to redeem the people. And Jesus is now starting his ministry. And God the Father says, I love you. Good job. Says, I'm well pleased in you. Jesus later on takes three disciples. This is one of my favorite little stories about the disciples. um, Because it shows how Peter can just be so... Um, stupid at some point in his life. Matthew 17, verse 1. This is the transfiguration of Jesus. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. So it's Jesus and three guys. Um, And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. His garments became white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll make three tabernacles, which are little tents. They would be called for the Jewish people holy tents. I'm going to build three holy tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Peter's talking without thinking, by the way. He does that quite a bit in the New Testament. Um, Because while Peter's talking, guess who interrupts him? God. He's like, Peter, stop talking. 
Look at this, verse, verse 5. While he's still speaking about doing something for all three guys, which is not the point of anything they're doing, by the way. While he's still speaking, a voice out of the cloud said, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell down to the ground and were terrified. They put their face on the ground and were terrified. Jesus came and touched them and said, I love this. Get up, don't be afraid. That was just dad. Trying to get trying to make it clear to you who's important here. Not Moses and Elijah. You're not building three tabernacles. There's weren't three holy people on the hill. Right? This is this is Jesus waking the guys up off the from the ground going, It's okay, guys. That was just my dad making sure Peter Peter didn't get lost in what was happening here. It's about me, right? Um, and so he lifts up his eyes and he says all that. And he's saying, God the Father set, clarifies with Peter, Peter, Jesus is the most important one. Listen to him. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Don't worry about Elijah and Moses. That's a, they're having a little conversation. It's funny to me, Jesus and Elijah and Moses are having a conversation on a hill, on a mountain. By the way, when you study history, Moses was on a mountain with, G, with God, having a conversation with God years before, Right? That's how the whole redemption plan worked. Elijah was on a mountain with God having a conversation, you know, and set a bunch of people free. And now Jesus, who's going to set us all free, is on a mountain having a conversation with Elijah and Moses, literally about the redemption of people. I think they're talking about redemption, how it works in God's economy. And then Peter has to interrupt that and go, man, I'm going to build some tabernacle. This is awesome. We're going to worship everybody. Oh, you guys are awesome. And God goes, it's all about Jesus, Right. And here's that phrase, if you want a good phrase to hang on to for Christmas Day, listen to him. It's what God says about a, uh, on, on, to Jesus when he approves of him. He's, or to the Peter, he says, listen to him. And then when Jesus retreats back into his own ministry, at the end of his ministry, he retreats. Um, and uh, he's pulled away from the people. John 12, verse 27, he says, my soul, my soul has become troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. So Jesus is literally retreating from the people, and he's going, man, this is so hard to die for these people who just keep rejecting me, and I can't get any of them to understand the real issues here. Even my own disciples get all confused about it. He says, this is hard, and, and he goes, but um, for this purpose, I came and to this hour. In other words, God, the Father, God, the Son, you and I have an agreement on this, and so here's what... Verse 28, he says, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came out of heaven. God's going to speak to his son one more time in front of everybody. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. So now the crowd of people who stood by and heard were saying that it had thundered. Others were saying, no, that was an angel speaking to Jesus. And Jesus says, let me tell you what that was. This voice didn't come for my sake, but for your sakes. Because two things, Jesus can make two things. Judgment is upon the world. The rulers of this world are going to be cast out. And if I am lifted up from the earth, the plan that God and him had all along, if I'm lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. He's saying this, indicating the kind of death he would die on the cross, lifted up. The crowd then answered, we've heard out of the law that Christ will remain forever. How can you say the Son of Man has to be lifted up and die? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus says, for a little while, if y'all were here last night, this will make good sense, for a little while... Um, the light, capital L, is among you. Uh, walk while you have the light so that darkness will not overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he goes. Uh, while you have the light, capital L, 
Believe in the light so that you may become the sons of light. So Jesus basically clarifies, here's what God's saying to you guys. Glory in Christ, right? God is glorifying me. And glory that God has for you guys is to, is to give glory to Christ. The glory is for Christ. When he's lifted up, he will draw all men to him, and that will bring great glory to God. When he's lifted up, you know what you're supposed to do in your life? Lift up Christ. Lift him up. Lift him up. Lift him up. Talk about him all the time. Brag on him. Thank him. Tell people all the time how he paid for your sins, and he did that through this horrible thing we call the cross, but it's a beautiful thing. It's beautiful and horrible all at the same time. Amen? Um, and then ultimately, John or Philippians chapter 2 God exalts His Son for the sacrificial love He showed toward man. I love this passage in Philippians chapter 2. Have this attitude in you, which is also in Christ. Verse 5, Who, although He existed in the form of God, did not regard equality as a thing to be grasped. He emptied Himself, taking on the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of man, being found in the appearance of a man. Jesus humbled Himself. And what did He do? He became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. That was the plan. God and him had this plan, right? And, and because he did that, look at verse 9. For this reason also God has highly exalted him, bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, those who are in heaven and those on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Isn't that crazy? He, God says, I'm going to exalt my son now because he sacrificially loved so well. I'm going to exalt my son to the highest place. Listen to this. So that every knee, and that doesn't mean every knee in church, every knee that's saved. It means every knee. People that are completely rebellious towards God. I mean the worst, vilest, most crazy person you ever know that's just going to talk bad about God all his life and hate God all his life. One day, one day, whether he wants to or not, his knees are going to bow before God and he's going to admit he was wrong. I'm so glad you guys have admitted early <laughs> that you want to bow before him now. You want to worship him now because God the Father, this is God's view of all this work that Christ did at, at the manger for us. He's going, I'm so proud of my son for what he's done. And one day, because he paid for all of your sins, Every knee is going to bow before him, and every tongue is going to confess him as Lord and Savior. You guys confess him now, which makes you part of the family. Amen? Not the ones that are rejected. And then one last little note, then we'll close out. God brought salvation, power, and kingdom authority to us through Jesus. That's a lot to be said. You'll have to look the verse up uh, later, but Revelation 12, 10, and 11 says this. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and authority of His Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, that's Satan, has been thrown down, he who accused them before our God day and night, and they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their... That's right, we live and die by that, don't we? And they did not love their life even when they faced, even when they were faced with death. So here's what God finishes out by saying from heaven. Salvation, power, and authority have come through Christ. There's a little verse that Christ says right before he sends into heaven to the disciples. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Christ says this. All authority has been given to me. 
Go tell everybody that truth. Go and tell everybody. All authority, all authority over everything. Authority in the, in the, in the heavenly realms, authority over universes, authority over, over the, the cosmic world, authority over our earth, uh, authority over the organisms that live inside of us. God has all authority, right? So the authority was given to him. And God gave him that authority so that he could rule and reign in our lives and give us the same authority to have the gospel among others. So here's four things I'll just say to you as we finish out. And then I'm going to let you share. If you have a verse, I want you to share it on our Christmas Eve, our Christmas morning service. Um, one, you should accept Christ as your Savior today. If you've never done that, you really should just go ahead and accept him because of the fact he was sent to you for that purpose. His whole purpose in life to coming to earth was to save you from your sins. And all you have to do is accept that. It's not complicated. There's not this whole bunch of stuff you have to do. You just have to accept the truth that you're a sinner, can't save yourself, and you need him to to save you from your sins. He did that on the cross. And when you trust that truth, all that comes. And there's a bunch of us here that would be happy to talk you through how to know that for sure in your life. Number two, you should glorify him as your Savior. He was he was sent full of glory. He veiled that glory. And then God says one day everybody's going to bow before that glory, so you should glorify Him. And then really you should do what God the Father said. Follow Him as your master, right? You should follow Him. Jesus called His disciples. Every time He called one, He'd go, hey, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me. And then when God speaks from heaven, He tells Peter... Listen to him. <laughs> Do what he says, which is follow me, right? We should follow him, which means we walk in the light that he's in. And then one day we will reign with him as kings. And we'll reign with him in his kingdom. One day we will reign with him in his kingdom. He says we will. I believe that with all my heart. Do you? Amen? Amen. Amen. So I'm going to pray a prayer real quick, and then we're going to say some verses to one another. If you have a verse or a scripture uh, you want to share real quick, we'll do that. Father, what a blessed day to be in the house of the Lord. I'm thankful that Christmas falls sometimes on Sundays um, so we can just have your birthday party here and uh, make it all about you. Every time we're here, it's really all about you, never about us. You do so much for us, though, and you make it so wonderful and beautiful and meaningful to us. So I pray now that as we consider how you, the Father, view Christmas as a gift that you gave us, I pray that we would beam with gladness for this gift of Jesus, and we would testify to others of what you gave us, Jesus, to save us from our sins. May we be the children that that honor the Father for the gift and honor the Son for coming to us. In Jesus' name, amen.